I want you to contemplate for a minute here about the best gift you've ever received. What is the best gift that you've ever received? I reached out to a young women's group, and these are some of the responses that I got. Alina, age 12, said, the gift of always wanting to be kind and serve others. I absolutely love that she immediately went to a gift of the spirit. That's fantastic. Eliza, age 15, said, a quilt that my grandma made for me when I was born, and I got it the day that I was born. As you're thinking about gifts, what is it that makes them really great? What makes a gift awesome? The reason I want you thinking about that is because a loving Heavenly Father tells us this about gifts. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 41, verse number one, we read, hearken and hear. Now, I love those two words because hearken means listen and obey at the cost of your life. So here we're being told to hearken and hear, O ye my people, saith the Lord and your God, ye whom I delight to bless with the greatest of all blessings. Now, did you catch what he said there? The type of blessings he wants to give us, the greatest. Then he gives us the how. Ye that hear me. If we want to get the greatest gifts or blessings that God has, we have to hear him. He finishes the verse by giving us the antithesis. And ye that hear not will I curse that have professed my name with the heaviest of all cursings. So we have the opportunity to either receive his greatest blessings or his greatest cursings. Now, I'm here to tell you on the day of love and every other day in between that every year, I want to get his greatest blessings. Elder Holland in the April conference 2016, he said the following, quote, the first great truth of all eternity is that God loves us with all his heart, might, mind, and strength. God loves us. He delights to bless us. And I testify that that is an eternal principle, that God loves us and he delights to bless us. The Savior loves us and delights to help us. And one of the things that I absolutely love about him is as he begins his mortal ministry, the very first miracle that he performs is actually for his mother. Now, we find here in John chapter 2 that there is a wedding taking place. We don't know whose wedding it is, but we do know that for whatever reason, Mary is part of the hosting staff. So she's overseeing it, which would lead us to believe potentially it's a family member. There's lots of suppositions, but the Savior is there. He's there with his disciples. And as they're there at this wedding, as would happen to the horror of all horrors, they run out of the beverage. They run out of wine. And an interesting dialogue takes place between the Savior and his mother. Let's jump into John chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We've got a couple of JSTs in there that we want to make sure that we get. Verse 1, and the JST, third day of the week, there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. And Jesus saith unto her, woman, what wilt thou have me to do for thee? I love that question. Mom, what do you want me to do? 
that will I do, but mine hour is not yet come. So she comes to him and she says, okay, I've got this issue. We're out of wine. And he says, okay, what do you want me to do? And you got to love her in verse five. And his mother saith unto the servants, whatever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And you know what happens. Water is turned to wine. Now, what I love about this wine and this whole story is that if we jump over into John chapter two, Jesus said unto them to fill them to the brim, right? Verse eight. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. Can you imagine like going out there like, okay, I'm digging these firkins of water. Oh, it tastes good. They knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, every man at the beginning thus set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. He could have just simply turned the water to wine. That's a really cool miracle. But he doesn't just stop there. Remember, God delights to bless us with the greatest of all blessings. And in this moment, as the Savior performs his first miracle, he does so in such a way that he doesn't just turn water into wine. He turns the water into the best wine of the feast. One of the things that we're told over and over inside of the scriptures is, and recognize this, seek and ye shall find. And there are times when we receive exactly what we seek. Let me give you an example. When I was teaching seminary, one of the things that was in place is that if students are in the classroom, then the seminary teachers are expected to be inside of the classroom. And there was a particular week where I was just struggling and really needed like just a break, mental health day, some kind of day, but I felt guilty and bad trying to call in and say that I wasn't going to be able to make it to seminary to teach. And so that night when I knelt down, I decided to do something very interesting. I decided to pray to be sick because I knew if I was sick, then I could stay home and not feel guilty about not teaching the next day. So as I knelt down to say my prayers that night, I asked Heavenly Father to please bless me to be a little bit sick so that I wouldn't have to go to work the next day. The reality is, is not only was I a little bit sick, but I was a lot sick. That is the one and only time in my life that I have prayed to be sick. And the Lord, he delivered. You see, Christ does know what we believe to be possible. I believed candidly that night that he could help me feel a little bit sick. Remember, he delights to bless us in what we seek after and confident somebody was laughing about that. I know I laugh about it now because never again, never again would I pray to be sick. But he notes what we desire and what it is that we want. Let me show you what I mean. Let's look at John chapter four and we're going to jump into verse number 43. Now, after two days, he meaning Christ departed thence and went into Galilee for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. 
And Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now you get what's happening here, right? The nobleman has left his dying son, having heard about the miracles, particularly water to wine, and has come seeking help from the Savior. Verse 48. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see the signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. I love that the Savior has the ability to heal and to help. But he has the ability to heal and help, not necessarily by simply being there, but by simply saying it to be so. I love verse 50. Jesus saith unto him, go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed. 51. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them that hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus saith unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed. You see, the Savior desires to help us. He desires to bless us. He delights to bless and help us. And the question is really, will we turn unto him? Will we allow him to give to us those gifts that he wants to give to us. See, in, in Luke chapter four, he goes just a little bit further. And in verse number 40, we read this. I love this verse. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases. I love that definition of any, because any is a definitive, meaning whatever. Any sick. You got the sniffles? Bring them. You have depression? Bring them. You have anxiety, bring them. You have autism, bring them. You have a broken leg, bring them. You have leprosy, bring them. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. Christ delights to bless us. He delights to heal us. I've come to understand that a little bit better this last Christmas season. My youngest convinced me uh, end of October, first part of November to go into a local shop here that sells reptiles. Now, anybody that knows me well knows that reptiles are not my thing. If it is not fuzzy, furry, fluffy, and a dog, it's not really my animal of choice. But we went into this shop and to my sheer amazement, my daughter began engaging with one of the individuals that work there. And the next thing I know, she is walking around this shop with a gecko attached to her sleeve, allowing the gecko to crawl up her arm and kind of sit on her shoulder. And for 30 minutes, she was quite content to simply have this gecko. Now, as we were leaving the store, I looked at her and I said, I realize that we've talked to them about the prices for the terrarium, for the coconut shreds that they need, 
for the food that they eat, for the price of the gecko. But you need to understand if you have it in your head that there is going to be a gecko for Christmas, you're wrong. There are no geckos at Christmas, like none. Well, we get home and that same afternoon, she says to her dad, dad, do you want to go on a daddy daughter date? To which he enthusiastically responded, yes, they leave. And a few hours later, they return. And I said, where did you go? And he said, we went to this really cool shop that has like reptiles. And I kind of shook my head and laughed. And I said, really? And did Tylee find a gecko that she likes? To which he responded, yeah, yeah, she did. In fact, she walked around with this gecko on her sleeve for about a half an hour. So this young lady of ours had spent well over an hour plus with one particular gecko that she loved. Again, I looked at her and I said, you, you need to know that there are no geckos at Christmas. Like none. Not now, not ever. No geckos. Well, Christmas began to draw closer and our family has a large family Christmas party. Tradition has it that Santa often makes an appearance at the Christmas party. And he did this year make an appearance and our family got called up to have the opportunity to speak with Santa and let him know what gifts we were seeking. And there was that 12 year old and she says without a single hesitation that she wants a gecko. Now, I'm not sure what this Santa had in mind because he said, well, wouldn't you rather have a chameleon? Anybody that knows much about reptiles knows that chameleons are actually more difficult to take care of than a gecko. But My daughter didn't miss a beat and she said, nope, I don't want a chameleon. I want a gecko. Well, I overheard this conversation and double checked and said, now, what did you just tell Santa that you wanted? And she said, I told him that I wanted a gecko. And I said, but you know, you know the theme. There are no geckos at Christmas. Well, a few days later, I had the opportunity of going out to dinner with a couple of ladies from my ward whom I adore. And these ladies have gone through some particularly difficult things this past year. One of them lost her oldest son to suicide. Another lost her husband to glioblastoma. And as we were talking about facing the holidays without these individuals for the first time, they then turned to the discussion of, well, what are you getting your kids for Christmas? And then one of them said, well, what is it that Tylee wants? And I said, oh my gosh, she wants a gecko. She wants a gecko. And I began explaining this gecko and all things about this gecko. And then they asked, well, are you getting her the gecko for Christmas? And I said, no. Because there are no geckos at Christmas. We're going to pause there for a minute and take a look at how a loving Heavenly Father responds when it comes to giving gifts. In John chapter 3, in verse number 35, the Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. 36. And he who believeth on the Son hath everlasting life and shall receive of his fullness. But he who believeth not the Son shall not receive of his fullness, for the wrath of God is upon him. The Father loves us so much that he's given Christ everything. And because he's given Christ everything, this allows Christ to do something pretty amazing for us. See if we back up to verses 16 and 17 when we read for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved God loves us so much that he gave us his son 
the greatest gift. Well, Christmas was approaching and Christmas Eve came and it had been gnawing at me since I'd been at dinner. Why wasn't I getting the gecko? Clearly the child loved the gecko. Clearly the child is prepared to take care of the gecko. And clearly I delight to surprise my children. I delight to get them things that I know that they will love and use. And so Operation Get That Girl a Gecko commenced. We created some distractions during the day with the help of her older siblings. We were able to procure the gecko that she had actually carried around the store. We snuck it into our home, put it in her brother's room where she would never look. Then Christmas morning, we had nine o'clock church and had decided that we wouldn't open any gifts until after church. So the young lady had to come down the stairs through the living room with her eyes closed because that's where all of the Christmas gifts were out to church. And when people asked her, what did you get for Christmas? She honestly said, I don't know, because she didn't. When we got back home, she had to go in backwards so that she couldn't see what was in the living room. And then an amazing thing happened. We all changed back into our pajamas and she came down. And there next to her Christmas stocking was a large glass tank. And inside that tank was a gecko. I love the photo of her looking at the tank for the first time, as you can clearly see her trying to make sense of what is nothing short of a Christmas miracle, because let's remember there were no geckos this Christmas. But a loving Heavenly Father delights to bless us with the greatest of blessings, he that hears me. I delight as a parent to bless and help my children, particularly when they are obedient. And when they are trying, you see in verses 14 and 15 of John chapter three, we learn that it's as simple as this. Listen, listen to Moses's time. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, in the days of Moses, it was as simple as look at the serpent on the staff and live. With Christ, we simply need to believe. Elder and Sister Holland, on January 8th of this year, posted a worldwide devotional, and I love a very short power quote by Sister Holland, where she says, believe simply and simply believe. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not meant to be complicated. We simply need to believe in the possibility, act in faith, hear the word of God, and what? Well, he delights to bless us. He wants to bless us through the greatest gift ever given, that of his son. So will you go and do a couple of things this week? Will you go and make a list of all of the gifts that a loving Heavenly Father has given you? I think you'll be surprised at the myriad of ways that he blesses you. And maybe with that list, throw in there a prayer of gratitude. At least one time this week, will you pray and all you do in that prayer is give thanks? Also, will you find someone in need of a gift this week and share your gift of love with them? And finally, will you go and share what you've learned with either your family, class, or with us? There are so many gifts waiting to be given. And a loving Heavenly Father has a lot of gifts waiting to be given, but he needs us to be his hands. May you be his hands and give great gifts. And may you 
take note and go and take note of the gifts that he's given you as my hope. Make this week amazing. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Go and Do. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review. If you didn't, it's all good. Please come and follow along with us on Instagram at Go and Do Podcast. Go and Do is written and hosted by me, Candace Shu, and produced by Cammie Fisher. Thanks for being here. And until we talk again, have a good time. Don't be a good time. See you soon.